Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. Wow, it's been uh, it's been two weeks since I've dropped an episode. I um, Actually, this will be three weeks by the time this comes out on Monday. But man, I'm going to tell you, you have to unplug sometimes. You just have to get it done. My part of my problem was I'm always trying to do everything uh, with no room for rest, with no room for um, letting things just be for a while, and it, it just catches up to you. And so um, I decided, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna take more breaks. And I appreciate y'all hanging in there, hanging in there with me. But I got a lot to cover today. Um. I just got back from Utah, and let me tell you, uh, had to do post-traumatic purpose out there with the Utah Fraternal Order of Police, and they opened it up to area first responders. Let me tell you what's happening. I could not be more excited and more proud of of what's taken place with post-traumatic purpose because, like I've said many times, when I started doing this back in 2016, actually openly talking about this stuff, it wasn't it wasn't received very well. And, um, you know, because the culture changed, you know, the culture was still that, yeah, we're not addressing this thing. We're not addressing mental wellness. And um, we're just we're just going to keep doing what we've done for centuries and just keep being first responders and keep being military folks and just um, turn a blind eye to it. And when somebody goes crazy, they just go crazy and they got problems and that's on them. So fast forward to 2023, man, we've come so far and. I mean, we had people at this event come from eight hours away. I know that may not seem like a big deal to some people, but when you're passionate about something and you've given your life to something and people come from eight hours away to be a part of that, I cannot express the level of gratitude that you feel in your body for that. I think the furthest away anybody ever came for a comedy event when I was doing comedy was three hours. I was in Florida and this limousine load full of girls pulled up one time and they were, they told me there was some town was like three hours away. And I was like, Oh wow, that's really neat. Y'all came from three hours to hear this bullshit. (laughs) So for people to come eight hours and then we had multiple people from five hours away. We had a gentleman from uh, Boise, Idaho, one of the biggest police officers I've ever seen, like just big old country corn fed dude. Uh, gave him a hug. We took some pictures and, um, man, thank y'all. Thank y'all for coming out 
in supporting post-traumatic purpose out in Utah and, and coming out in droves and, and making those drives and coming into town a day early and coming out of your pocket and, and staying in a hotel so you could be there that morning. It means the absolute world to me. And I just, I just can't thank you enough for the support that I've, I've been given over the years. So where do we go from here? Um, I guess, I guess we just keep, we just keep grinding and, and kind of seeing where the path takes us in life. And part of, part of my journey in life, I've realized to relinquish control. And this has been really hard for me over the years because I've, I was always in control of my destiny. So I thought I was always in control of my, my world. Um, and then I've realized like when I wrote that book, create your own light, I talked about letting go of control and letting the universe guide you because things are just going to happen in life and you're going to be put exactly where you need to be in this life. So I have people ask me sometimes, like, Travis, what are your plans for post-traumatic purpose? Where do you where do you see it in five years? And I said, man, I see it wherever it goes. And it doesn't show any signs of slowing down. We just booked, man, I think like the 31st, 32nd calendar date of the year this year. And uh, we're booking 2024, 2025. It's just super exciting stuff, man. And I'm just, I can't wait to shake all your hands and see all your faces out there one day. But let's get into um, let's get into a few, a few things. There's an old saying that says, "Don't meet your heroes; they'll disappoint you." And I think it's uh, I think it's important that we keep our heroes at a distance because once they become too personal, and once you learn too much about your heroes, I think I think it can be a little disappointing sometimes. I think there's that that allure of who you want them to be versus who they really are that can let us down. And, and I, you got to think about that too, because you're somebody's hero. Somebody out there looks up to you, no matter who you are, there is somebody in your world that looks up to you and think about if they really got to meet you, how disappointed they could potentially be. Think about that, man, that carries some weight, right? And I say that because I don't know how to get into this but I'm going to I'm going to try to get into it a little bit. I think sometimes we let heroes abuse us. And the people that we admire the most and honor the most, I think we we allow that pedestal that we put them on, put them on. We allow them to overstep boundaries with us because of the pedestal that we put them on. And that can work both ways. Maybe you've been put on a pedestal. Maybe you're the person that people put on a pedestal and they allow you to abuse them because of that pedestal. Because they want you to be something greater than what you truly are. And I want you to think about that in your life as you go and you apply, as you apply life to I don't even know the words, man. It's I'm, I'm. I know that I've let people get away with things in my life that I would never allow another human being to get away with. I talk about this in post traumatic purpose that when I realized that I would never let another man talk to my wife the way that I have in the past, and I would never let another man talk to my children the way that I have in the past. Then I ask myself, then why do I get to do it? 
And I think that's because that pedestal that I was put on. And I have certainly been that guy, but I've certainly been on the other side too, where I have put people on pedestals. And I know you hear me talk on here and you think Travis Howells wouldn't let somebody disrespect him, blah, blah, blah. But I have. I have let people that I care about talk to me in a manner I would never allow another human being to talk to me. And it's because of my love and admiration for those people. But when when do you when do you stop letting that happen? At some point you have to address the the disrespect. At some point you got to stand up for yourself. See, I guess what I'm getting at is this. Most people know that they're not going to let other people disrespect them. They wouldn't let just Joe Blow walking down the street disrespect them. But it's okay for someone in their own family to disrespect them because of the love and admiration they have for that person in their own family. And at some point, you got to put a stop to it. Because at some point, it doesn't fix itself. The only way to stop people from disrespecting you is to call them on it. And that's a very hard thing to do. And it's also very hard when you're the person doing the disrespecting, when somebody finally does stand up to you, when you've spent your whole life being the person that gets the last word and being the person that everybody pretty much worships the ground you walk on. When, when people stop doing that and they stand up and look you in the face That's a hard position to be in. And I say that because if you ever find yourself in that place, if you ever find yourself in a place where people in your family finally say enough and they stand up and they look at you and they talk to you about the way that you've been treating them, you need to pause and take a breath and let them say what they need to say. You need to let them get out whatever's on their chest And you don't need to combat whatever they're saying. You just need to process that information. Because there's a reason that they've gotten to that point. There's a reason that they've allowed you to be verbally abusive your entire life. There's a reason for that. And when they get to a point where they say no more... You don't have a defense. You don't get a defense. You don't get to defend that ever. You need to commend them for stopping it. You need to commend them for being brave enough to stand up for themselves for once. I say that. I'm saying all of this with kid gloves on right now. Um, I recently had someone very close to me hang up on me during a phone conversation and it wasn't even the fact that they hung up on me. It's what they said and how they said it before they hung up on me. And when this happened, I I tried to process that information and I sat there for a second and I thought to myself, Would you allow anybody in the universe 
to talk to you the way that you were just talked to and to treat you how you were just treated? And my answer was absolutely not. I would never allow somebody to do that without confronting that. And then I sat there some more and I said, so why am I not confronting this? And my thought was, well, it's because of who this person is. And it's because I love and admire this person so much that I'm willing to overlook the abuse that just took place. And I'm willing to overlook the abuse that has taken place for a very long time. Not all the time, but in moments like that in my life. And I immediately thought, I'm no longer wrong. See, all the times that ever happened to me before, I felt, I thought, well, I'm, I'm wrong. I need to apologize. I need to make this right. And essentially what I saw was I saw myself how my wife used to be. Now, anything that anytime I would get upset with her, this is years past. This is before my my healing started taking place and my growth in years past. When I would get frustrated, when I would get aggravated, I would just say whatever I wanted to say. She got no say so on that. And I could hang up the phone. You know, I could end a conversation abruptly. And that was that. And I could say what I wanted to say with no repercussions. Do you know why? It's because she never pushed back. She never stopped and said, you're not going to, you're not going to speak to me that way. And the problem is this. Once someone gives you an inch, you take a yard. Let's just be honest with what this is. Anytime it's a form of bullying. Anytime someone gives a little, you take a lot. And over time, you just learn to take more. Now, I'm not talking to, this is what I'm telling you. This scenario was not between me and my wife. This is, um, I'm trying to be tread lightly here. Um, I guess it doesn't matter who it was because like I say, I'm not so much of an open book that I put all my stuff out there, but I guess what I'm getting at is this. There's no reason you should ever let anyone in your life, no matter how close they are to you, disrespect you. And the second they do, you need to call them on it. No matter what their status is in your inner circle, there's no excuse for it. And what I realized is I've allowed myself to be disrespected because I let it go one time. And that's all it takes. And I finally stood up to that. And I told that person, I had a conversation with that person. And I said, look, my entire life is built around standing up for people, especially myself. And there's nobody on this earth I would ever let talk to me the way that I have let you talk to me. And that stops today. It doesn't happen ever again. And then I had a conversation with that person and I learned a lot from this person because this person sat there listening to what I had to say and they made zero excuses for what took place. None. They didn't try to push back. They understood that I was right and there was no defense for it. 
And that helped me learn what true bravery is because that person could have easily got defensive and tried to justify justify that no matter how they wanted to. But they didn't. They took a long, good look in the mirror. They accepted it and said, you're right. And I'm going to try to learn from this and be better for it. And how can you fault a person for that? How can you fault a person for owning and accepting their bullshit? You can't. I don't think you can. I don't think you can hold a grudge against somebody for that. I don't think you can be mad at somebody. I think the only time I can be angry with somebody is when they're full of excuses. And I found myself throughout my life, I, I do get angry with people when, I, when, when they make excuses for, for certain things. And when they avoid the truth and when they run from the truth and when they, they cower down from um, their refusing to accept responsibility for their actions. So the person and I, we had a great conversation and then we moved on. And I encourage you, the reason I say this is because, look, I've been on both sides of that. I've been the abusee and I've been the abuser with words. Okay. And neither one of those are a good place to be. Neither one. So whatever position you're in, and I know I'm talking to somebody out there. Like I said in Utah, I'm not talking to everybody, but I know I'm talking to somebody. One of you hearing this is an abusee, and one of you hearing it is an abuser. And you need to stop it. And the only way to stop it is through delicate communication. It's not through hostile communication. It's not through aggressive communication. It's through delicate communication. It's through adults sitting down and communicating as adults. If you're the abusee, you can no longer tolerate somebody abusing you, no matter what form that is. There is zero excuse to tolerate that. There's no amount of security and comfort in this world that justifies someone abusing you. There is none. You don't need a roof over your head that badly. You don't need whatever they provide for you that badly. This is a free world out there and you can do anything you want. The longer you stay in a situation like that, the longer you allow it to continue, it will demoralize you. I don't like seeing people like that. I like seeing people empowered. I do not like seeing demoralized people. So... I hope this message, this part of this, trying to handle it very delicately, and I hope it makes sense. I'm sure it will to some of you. If you're the abuser, my words to you are this. Stop being a fucking coward. Stop treating people the way that you do. There is no excuse for it. Whoever you treat that way, go talk to them. Go sit down with them and apologize to them and make zero excuses for what you have done. Own it, learn from it, and never let it happen again. And when you find yourself feeling like it's going to happen again, walk the fuck away. And do not let anybody control your reactions. You walk away and you collect yourself. And you come back. When you can communicate as an adult, not like a child screaming and throwing tantrums 
and scaring people. I say this all the time, every once in a while in this podcast, I should say. When you're about to say something, you need to think about your reaction and your words. And when you think about it from this standpoint, is what I'm about to do or what I'm about to say going to make things worse or better? Then you know how you should react. If it's going to make it worse, you walk away or you don't say it. That's it. That's it. I'm curious to know how many people listen to this because I see the download numbers and they're up there. I'm curious to know how many people are going to go sit down with somebody that they love, somebody that they have done this to regularly and have that hard conversation. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I've done that. And it is one of the hardest things in this world that I've ever had to do is sit down, address that, and make sure that it doesn't happen again. And make sure I make zero excuses for that. I'm interested to know how many people will have the stones to go out and do that and say and have that conversation. I think one of the uh, one common thing that I'm finding when I travel and I meet with other first responders uh, all over the country is we have one thing in common. Well, actually, we have a lot of things in common, but anger is certainly one of them. And and I'm not saying all first responders. I'm saying people that really suffer from post-traumatic stress, uh, signs of post-traumatic stress. And... I've had people ask me, man, why am I so angry? And shit, I've asked myself that in the past. And, and there will be days where I'm just, I'm just mad. And it all comes back to this. That old school saying, you are what you eat. The second you wake up in the morning, everything that you consume is of importance. Everything. We tell our children when they're young, you need to start, start your day out with a great breakfast. That's the most important part of the meal. Or the most important meal of the day. But what we don't think about is our mental breakfast. We don't think about, hey, what am I getting up this morning? What am I consuming right out of the gate on an empty stomach? Because this is going to set the tone for my day. And I've tried to live by this for so many years and it's so difficult. Because here's the truth. Our inner circles, our social circles are so small. Many of us, we have dwindled our circles down to where there's only people like us in there. I teach about this in post-traumatic purpose all the time. I teach about the social circles and the importance of allowing people not like us inside of those circles. Because people like us, unfortunately, can become extremely toxic to us and we can become toxic to them. It's people that are not like us that help round us out a little bit. And I, I realized this many years ago after I left the job. And I realized real quickly, I don't have any friends, like real friends that I can call. All only people I know were firefighters or cops. And now that I'm gone, I really don't have many of those left either. So I was very jaded for a long time. And, all, and the way that I was viewing the world from an angry place never really got better. And so as my social circle began to shrink over the years... So did my, my mind, like my mind wasn't open. It only saw what I wanted to see. It only saw bad things. It only saw negativity. I would wake up in the morning and I would either watch, you know, Fox news, or I'd turn on, um, talk radio, conservative talk radio, just whatever it was. 
the conversations I would have with people first thing in the morning in my social circle, like in my small, small circle of like two people, we would be negative right out the gate. I'm having coffee, having negative conversations with people. So by the time lunchtime came around, the bar was already set for me. I was already starting my day off on the wrong foot. So you are what you eat. You are what you consume. If you consume that trash, you will be that trash every single time. So this negativity that we talk about, this consumption of negative conversation of uh, right out the gate in the morning, that also crosses over to um, your social life and how you interact. So when you start thinking, man, I don't want to be around people. I don't want to go around people. What do you think? It, what do you think happens? You, you all of a sudden, you slowly stop hanging around other people. So going from having a bunch of friends to no friends doesn't happen in the flip of a switch. It happens pretty slowly because you start slowly excluding yourself. And what happens is over time, that becomes so normal for you that you've excluded yourself from everybody and everything. Nobody wants to include you anymore because you're just, you're just gone. You know, and everybody knows you're not going to come anyway. So what started happening with me was when I would go on the road, um, everybody wants me to go to dinner all the time and do these things. And I would do it, but I would be so tired that I, I started convincing myself that I didn't want to do these things. So over the years, um, I stopped going to dinners. I stopped hanging around people. I would go and, and work. I would do post-traumatic purpose or I would do comedy and I would be done. I'd go to my hotel and I'd be alone for the rest of the day. And in my mind, I convinced myself that's what I wanted. Right. But in reality, that's, that's not, that's not it. The problem was I was so angry with myself because I'd consumed so much garbage. I hated myself and I hated other people. I didn't want to be around anybody and everybody annoyed me. Uh, that that whole that whole mindset. Well, I want to go back to two weeks ago. I was in Maryland. Check this out. And uh, I was working at the University of Maryland at their um, fire college up there. And I was doing post-traumatic purpose for the um, Maryland International Association of Firefighters. And, um, or, excuse me, the Professional Firefighters of Maryland. And that night, the night prior, um the, the board asked me to go to dinner. Now I'll be honest with you. This isn't me being a dick. I wanted to go back into the same old mindset of, I want to be alone. I don't want to be around anybody right now. So I said, yes, I would go to dinner, but in my mind, I had already convinced myself I didn't want to go just because that's what I was used to. I was used to telling myself that. Well, how about we went to dinner that night and in the middle of this meal, I'm sitting there with five individuals and I stopped dinner and I looked at them and I said, I want to thank y'all for bringing me here tonight. And I can't tell you how this is the most fun that I've had. And I can't tell you how long I don't remember a time that I've had this much fun. We had so many laughs and it was so natural that it felt amazing and I, when I tell you, I'm dead serious now. I've said this on other podcasts that I'm at a place in my life where I want to have fun again. I want to know what it's like to feel alive because I felt dead for so long. Well, I finally felt that. 
And it was just sitting at dinner because I was sitting around like-minded people enjoying myself and enjoying their company. Now, fortunately for me, they weren't a bunch of corn dicks, right? Because nobody wants to hang around corn dicks. These people were a lot of fun. They were legit. They were just like me and we had so much fun. And I remember thinking after that, I'm like, how many, how many times have I cheated myself out of something because of my simple minded way of thinking? Because I had already convinced myself because I, I didn't want to be around people. I don't like people. When the truth is, I did, just didn't like myself. It had nothing to do with people. I just wasn't happy with me. And again, the growth phase continues. You keep recognizing things. And you stop making excuses for things. And my gosh, the growth is exponential. It is, it's through the roof. I can't wait to go to dinner with more people. Not corn dicks now. Don't let's, I'm not trying to go out and have a corn dick dinner, but I do want to be involved with other people now. And I sold myself short for, for a long time. And it all goes back to the garbage I started consuming years ago. First thing in the morning at sunrise with coffee. And I've had to address that too. From now on, when I wake up, I typically have my coffee and I clear my thoughts and I don't start the day out with negative conversations with people because, you know, although we thought it was funny and we're sitting there joking around, it sets the tone and it sets the wrong tone. I'm going to tell you just a quick story about something that really chaps my rear end. And it's the fact that there are many, the truth is this, there are still many agencies out there who do not put mental health high on the criteria of taking care of our people, right? There are still many agencies who overlook this. And I get it. It's a culture thing. We, You know, this is, I say this is all new, but it's not new. But the way that we are rapidly, many of us are rapidly um, addressing this is new. Uh, like I say, because just as just as a uh, few, oh my God, just as late as 2016, you know, people were still shunning this. Now, I, all right, enough, enough about the soapbox. This is what happened. I got a, I got an Instagram message the other day and a lady reached out to me. I'm not going to say what jurisdiction this was, but a lady reached out to me and she said, Hey, do you know anybody that can help we're trying to raise $1,500. Now, listen to what I said, $1,500. Not $15,000. $1,500 is what they were trying to raise because a firefighter needed help and he needed it desperately. And they wanted to get him sent off to an inpatient center. I'm not sure which center this was, but they needed $1,500 to cover airfare, some like some additional transportation, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. I asked this lady, I said, have you asked his department? You know what I was told? (laughs) The lady said yes, and they said no. They're not assisting. And I just sat back in my chair, and I was like, I don't understand how that happens still in this day and age. I do not understand how these city councils, how these departments can, can realistically look at another human being that's one of their own and not help them 
with that. Not everybody has an extra $1,500 sitting around in their checking account or their savings account. That's just the truth. This gentleman needed help. Regardless of who it was or what people's personal feelings were about him, he's on the team. This is our team. We take care of our team. And that's where I'm going to say this. And this may piss a lot of people off. But this is very, very true. You are disposable to these agencies. I'm not saying these agencies are bad. That's not what I'm saying. Because I wholeheartedly believe in our first responder community. But I do know that there are lines of people waiting to do our job. And our mental health in many cases does not take priority when it should. And if you work for an agency that does take your mental health seriously, bless that agency and good on them. If you work for an agency that does not take your mental health seriously and that cannot come up with $1,500. Now, this, is, this isn't some place that doesn't have it. This is a place that definitely has it. If they can't give one of their employees $1,500 to help with assistance for travel, you're disposable. And that's what I'm talking about. They put it on them to figure it out. These agencies got to stand with us and beside us. And it's, I, don't, I, it, I can't put it any simpler than that. So watch this. So after I, I digested that, I was like, all right, who do, who do I know in my circle? And then bing, 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 the radar went off. So I immediately text somebody that I know and said, hey, got a firefighter with this agency, needs this. Can y'all help out? You know what the person on the other end said? Absolutely. Send them to us right now. And it was handled. And in less than three minutes, that firefighter was taken care of and not by their agency. Do you see what I'm getting at? So again, you know, I remember when I, when I was real young on the job, I had this loyalty to my agency. I really did. I, I was so loyal that no other agency mattered. If you work for another agency, oh, well, this is, this is the place. You know what I mean? I just had that, that I was just naive like that. And I love where I come from. Don't get me wrong. But you got to realize when they don't have your back in an instance like that, they're not going to have your back. And you need to find an agency that will have your back because they're out there. They, they certainly are out there. And I'm not... Again, I'm not trying to go down a dark road beating up on agencies. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just saying the system is broken is all. And it's up to us to fix it. It's up to us over the you know upcoming years that when we become leaders in our agencies, that we don't create the same problems that we've always had. I talk about that in post-traumatic purpose. I talk about recreating ourselves and you people want to talk about oh we got to break the stigma break the stigma no 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 we got to change who we are and then it's broken that's how that's how it happens because if we keep recreating the same problems and recreating ourselves and turning these new kids into who we were when we were young and who we've become 
The cycle continues. So I've never had a registered um, emotional support animal, but those of you that know me know that I have a farm and I have miniature donkeys. And I always I always make jokes about my donkeys being my therapy animals. Now, I have horses too, but man, fuck them horses. They're, they're just high maintenance. No, I like the horses, but fuck them. But you know, you know what I'm saying. So I've had these I've had these four little miniature donkeys on my farm now and without going through the whole story on how we got them and all this you'd have to go back to previous episodes but Daisy Daisy's my favorite. She's a, a little brown one. She uh when we bought her, she was actually pregnant. She lost that baby. So we were sad and then you know um the other female donkey we had eventually had her baby which gave us four donkeys. Um and so Daisy ends up getting pregnant again, and we're so excited because the the I call it the incubation process, but the the they stay pregnant for right around I think 10, 11 months, right? So it's a long period. And so we waited and she finally started going into labor. And if you follow my Instagram, you followed what happened is she starts going into labor, so we're paying attention to her. We pull her in a stall and you know, we're out there with her and we're watching her try to give birth, and we realized something wasn't right. And um she she was having a very, very hard time um, having this baby. So we call the vet. The vet rushes over. And the vet goes to proceed to do an, an emergency delivery where she pretty much she ruptures the um, the placenta. Or what, well, she didn't rupture the placenta. There was some other sac. I don't, I don't know. Listen. So she ends up grabbing, going up into um, Daisy and pulling the, the baby donkey out. Um, so we got two legs out and we're, we're thinking, all right, this is going to be over here in a second. Well, an hour later, she's still working to get that baby donkey free. And what happened was that the, the little donkey died. And then eventually Daisy, Daisy got into a bad spot and, uh, we had to put her down and man, I can't tell you how badly that hurt. And I know, you know, we talk about animals. I've lost a lot of animals over the years, but these donkeys were really, really special to me, and it—I don't know—and that just took the wind out of my sails. And so we we went, and we we buried Daisy and her baby donkey, and put her under a tree, and I carved her name in a tree. And I actually sat out there this morning having coffee. And I guess why I'm telling you this story is this: just like in my book, I talk about um, bad things are always coming our way. They're always coming our way. So we have to learn to love accept and cherish what we have while we have it because we always 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 take those things for granted no matter what we have in our life most of us take it for granted and we just assume it's going to be here and it's not you know i'd give anything to have that little donkey back right now and kiss her between her ears she used to come up and put her head on my shoulder and she would cry and she'd just love on you i mean so i'd give anything to have that back and i look at the times now when I'm out here on my farm and I look at all the times I could have went out there and spent more time with her in the field. She was only four donkeys lived till they're like 33. Um, so her, she was, her life was snuffed out and I look at all the times I could have went out there, but I took it for granted. I always assumed she's just going to be there tomorrow. She'll be here at eight o'clock tonight when I feel like walking across the field in Petner, you know, and think about that. Think about the people in our lives that we treat that way too. Think about, the, the situations in our our lives where we get, and I'm going to take it back to the beginning of this, where we get upset and we get angry and we ruin a moment because we can't control our words. We can't control 
the way we react to something. And we let a five minute period in our life control an entire day and, and disrupt an entire day, not just for ourselves, but for other people too. And it's a, that's just time we don't get back. And I really want to challenge you and encourage you at the same time to not let that happen. To try to make the most of the time you have available with the people that you have in your life and the things you have in your life and the time that you have in your life. Go make the most of it. Thank you all for the support. I love you.